Hey, we are beginning to shift gears a little bit in our series, Running the Race, a challenge for elders, deacons, and you. And we're going to begin to focus more on the deacon aspect of our conversation. Uh, the first clear mention of deacons in the New Testament is found in Philippians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul says this, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with overseers and deacons. Uh, two words are used there in the Greek language, episkopoi and diakonoi. Uh, Paul wrote this letter when he was under arrest in Rome, and the Philippians loved Paul. So while he was in prison, they sent him money, they sent him uh, some personal effects, and they used their personal envoy, if you will, Epaphroditus, uh, to share their love and support for him while he was in prison. And this letter is unique because Paul sends greetings to both the overseers and the deacons. It's, it's because of this connection that I wanted to do this comparison in this study with you um, on running the race, this challenge for elders, deacons, and you. Now, don't forget, I say this every week, we all have a part here, all right? The, the elders have a part, the deacons have a part, and individual Christians, we all have a part. And we're going to look at the differences and the similarities between the servant leaders that are elders and deacons. Will you pray with me? Father God, as we come before you this morning, as we open up your word, as we look at how you have ordained and set up uh, church leadership, if you will, I pray that we will see your examples uh, through scripture, that we will strive to be um, just encouragers from your word, that as, as we commit to grow in your word, we will allow it to shape us, to change us, to create us into um, what you desire for us to be. And so, Lord, as we open up your word today, I pray that it would change us. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Uh, I believe that if we want to understand the New Testament deacon and his role in the church, then we need to start with making sure we have a clear understanding of the elder's role. That's why I started the first half of this series where we talked about elders. We've touched on these things in those first couple of messages on this series. And so I'm not going to belabor the point, but I do want to review a couple of things because I think if we misinterpret the identity of the elder and the character of the elder, then we're most likely going to misinterpret and distort the identity and the character of the deacon as well. In fact, I think many churches have done exactly that. There are uh, a lot of churches, deacons act as if they are the elders, which is not how God designed it. And so I want to get started real quick. The, the word for elder is episkopos. It means elder, shepherd, bishop, overseer. The plural for it, uh, which as we talked about in the earlier sermons, that the, there should be a plurality of elders. That plural Greek word is episkopoi. And in Acts chapter 20, verses 17 through 28, Paul speaks to the Ephesian elders. And here's what he says. He says, now... From Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I have lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility, with tears, and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public, and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except 
that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of grace of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, if I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. And this is, this is a key verse here. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Now here at the end, when he says overseer, the Greek word is episkope, and it actually describes the office or the function of the elder, with, if you will. It's, it's to oversee, it's to care for, it's to watch out for. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2. It says, therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, and an episcope must be above reproach. Why? Paul answers that. He says, because we need to pay careful attention, leader, to yourselves and to all of the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Well, what does that even look like? Well, Titus chapter 1, verses 7 through 9, sheds a little bit of light on this, and it says, For an overseer, as God's steward, must be quick, or excuse me, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. Why does a simple word matter? Uh, the, the Greek word for elder and deacon, why do those words even matter? Why would I want to spend so much time talking about the definition and the purpose of the words for elders and deacons? Well, because we have to understand the words we use to describe our leaders matter. And these words must harmonize with God's word or we're just adding things to his design. Uh, titles like priest, lord, reverend, ruler, king, and father all have been used throughout history to label leaders in the church. Those are not suitable to describe the leaders of a Christian congregation. We need to be careful of the title that we give and the elevation that comes with those titles. God's word tells us that church overseers are responsible for the overall supervision, protection, and spiritual management of the church. And not only that, they're in charge of the care of the people within the local congregation. Overseers and elders are, are one and the same. Titus 1, 5 says this, This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. And then 1 Peter 5, 1 and 2 says this challenge I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not for shameful gain, but serve eagerly. And so we... We also studied in previous messages, we studied through 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 7, um, where, where what we talked about were the qualifications for elders. You can go back and watch that message on our YouTube channel if you missed it. 
or you can just read it for yourself. But in short, I say all that to say this. It is the biblically mandated duty of the overseer, of the elders, to protect the church, to teach the church, and to lead the church. So that was a quick recap of the qualifications of an elder and their duties. Now let's look into what the Bible says about deacons, the qualifications for deacons. And I want to offer a quick public service announcement here. This morning, we're going to take a glancing look at these characteristics, and we're going to talk about the differences between elders and deacons. Next week, we're going to look deeper at the characteristics of a deacon. I just don't want you to think that I've skipped over something as we look at this, or that maybe I'm not giving a characteristic or an aspect of, of deacon leadership, the diligence, the due diligence that some of these points need today. So I'm just today is just a quick comparison. Next week, we're going to get into it a little deeper. And so the word, the Greek word for deacon is, I, always, it's, I'm not, I have to tell you, I did not study Greek. So this is self-learned. So bear with me. The word is diakonos, and it means servant, minister, or deacon. Uh, the action form of the word is diakonio, which means to minister or to serve. And again, this, the Greek word diakonia means service and ministry. And so any one of those words is referencing the deacon or the action that a deacon should be taking in his role within the church. It's all Greek to me, so we'll move on. The word deacon in any form connects the bearer of that title to the action that is servant ministry, if you will. Diakonos is used in the New Testament to describe literal servants. And, and there are a lot of uh, different places where you'll see that word and, and it describes literal servants. Um, as a matter of fact, when Jesus is at the wedding feast in Cana and he gets ready before he turns the water into wine, the word diakonos is used because Mary refers to the servants in that setting and says to them, to the diakonos, do whatever he says. And so that's an example of, of how that Greek word means servant, literally. Uh, from, from all these different uses of the word diakonos as a title for an office or service in the church, the qualifications that are listed for deacons and then their close association with the qualifications for our elders, our overseers, we can conclude that the New Testament deacons are the local church's official ministers to the physical needs of the church and to her members. And so I've shared with you the qualifications with elders already, but what does Paul tell us about the qualifications for deacons? Let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 8 through 13. He says, deacons, likewise, and he follows up with, he just lists off the characteristics of an elder. And so he says, deacons, likewise, must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience and let them also be tested first. Then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Uh, let me pause to remind you of something here. Uh, again, this series is called Run the Race, a challenge for elders, deacons, and you. All right? All Christians, this is, this is the you part of the message. This is your part, okay? If you're not an elder or deacon, and even if you are, but if you're not, this, is, this part's for you. 
we should all be servants and we should all be willing to serve one another in the general sense. But to those men that are called to be servant leaders as deacons, these men exercise official responsibilities in the church today. And this position requires integrity in their personal character, in their spiritual life, and in their family living. And we're going to look at some examples of early deacon service. Acts chapter 11, verses 27 through 30 says, Now in those days, in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. Did you catch that? They told, hey, a famine's coming. And the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. Also, Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. Uh, this is a story, or a, a story is not the right word for it. It's an illustration that we're familiar with, most of us. In these days when the disciples were increasing in number, the church is growing. This is, this is in Acts. Uh, it's the beginning of the early church. It says, the disciples were increasing in number. A complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. The widows weren't getting the food and the care that they needed properly. And so the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and the Holy Spirit. And Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And here are two examples for the service of the deacons. Deacons were well known throughout the churches in the first century for service and care, especially to the poor and sick and those who had a benevolent need. And so today in our culture, that transforms or transfers to a ministry that oversees the practical, material, and even personal spiritual needs of the church and her members and the community. And the point I want to settle on here is this that deacons are to care for the welfare of the people. Uh, in too many churches, deacons really sit on an executive board and make decisions with, with no actions. They've essentially uh, become executives that judge how well others are serving. They're a board of deacons. They're, they're a board, they're, they're meeting deacons. They're not servant deacons. Folks, we have to stay true to God's design for deacons rather than what our preference is for deacons. A couple more things about the differences between elders and deacons before we wrap up our time here this morning. You do not have to serve as a deacon for any set amount of time before you can serve as an elder. The servant position of a deacon is not a junior elder spot on the church board. That's not how it was set up. The Bible doesn't say that. That's not how God designed it. Also, deacons are not necessarily required to be teachers like elders are. Elders are required to mentor and lead deacons in their roles and also to be teachers. Um, but as we, as we lead them in servant ministry and in leadership. Now on that note, I want to say here at Huntsville Christian Church, we appreciate our deacons that have taught or that are teaching. It shows their personal commitment to our mission, go to win and commit to grow. 
but that's not a precursor. You do not have to be a teacher to be a deacon. Um, elders are the overseers. They're the spiritual protectors of the flock. Deacons are the ministers of mercy, if you will. Uh, they're not just the guys in charge of building maintenance and pulling weeds. Let me say that very clearly. And so this morning, as we come to our response time, I've, I've shared a lot of scripture with you. And, and my prayer is that you'll go back and, and reread some of these scriptures, maybe rewatch this and, and study for yourself concerning elders and deacons. And my prayer is that as we go through this series, some of you in restudying these scriptures and looking at these scriptures, that some of you will be challenged by God's word, that you would even desire to study more on these vital areas of ministry and maybe someday desire to serve and shepherd and care for those at Huntsville Christian Church and our community as ministers of mercy and as overseers. It all starts with desiring to serve others and understanding what God asks of you in these reasons and in this area of service. If you're not ready to do that yet, I simply ask that for our response time this morning, you and your family would commit to pray for our deacons here at Huntsville Christian Church or the deacons at your home church if you're visiting with us today. Matter of fact, I'd like for you to go ahead and leave a comment and let us know that you and your family will be praying for our deacons, for our ministers of mercy this week. And, and if you would, if you'd like to study more about that or talk more with an elder or myself about what it is to be a deacon, send us an email at office at hsvcc.org. We'd love to connect with you. We'd love to have that conversation with you to study what that looks like. But whatever your response is today, as we sing our response song, will you consider how you can respond to God's word, how you can reflect Christ this week? It's been great to be here with you all this morning on the live stream to share with you about the differences of the servant leadership positions of elders and deacons. But now it's time for us to go to win and commit to grow. Remember, Christian, we're all called to be servants. We're all called to share the good news of Jesus Christ wherever we go. So as you go this week, whether you're an elder, deacon, or simply just you, 
We all have a part to play in God's kingdom. Let's make sure, no matter what, that we're a good reflection of him this week as we go to win and commit to grow. Will you sing this last song with us?